Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Well, thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Monty Larrick here, joined by J.D. Messnard, the regional director of the Alliance Defending Freedoms Church Alliance. Launched in 2017, the Church Alliance supports the legal needs of churches. Representative Messnard, uh, those legal needs are changing and growing in today's America as we find religious freedom under intense attack. Absolutely. So what we're seeing is a lot of churches coming to us with a lot of questions about how to handle situations coming their way. And uh, it can be pretty expensive to uh, hire an attorney to uh, advise. So the purpose of the Church Alliance is really to meet that need, to step in and let them know ADF has their back. Um, and that as they face these situations, they're not alone. Well, where are these threats coming from? Uh, Well, they can be coming from all over the place. Some are legitimate questions about how to navigate uh, state laws or state policies that may not be as friendly to their religious beliefs. Uh, And then there are other situations where you actually have uh, folks who come in and really try to set churches up uh, to, to fail, to attack them because of their... Uh, they're following their conscience, their view on biblical truth. And so we want to make sure that the pastors are not uh, afraid of those situations, that they know how to respond in those situations. And that's what the ADF Church Alliance is all about. Well, I know my church has an attorney already, and a lot of churches, most churches I know have their own attorney. So why do they need to help of the ADF's Church Alliance? That's a great question. We work with attorneys. Uh, We're allied with uh, over 3,000 attorneys around the country. What we handle is specifically religious liberty issues. There really is no room for uh, error anymore. What happens to one church affects all churches as it goes through the court system, precedents are set. So uh, our our mission is to keep the legal doors open for the gospel. Religious liberty is at the forefront uh, of that fight. And so we'll work with attorneys if they have them, but many smaller churches uh, can't afford an attorney. Um, and so that's where ADF can, can step in and meet that need. In either case, ADF can be a resource to these churches. Religious liberty, how would you define that? The LGBTQ community says, well, that's just code for a license to discriminate. Yeah, so that's obviously uh, a perspective that's meant to undermine the church and its credibility. Uh, you could look at what some, some things that are happening against churches as a form of persecution. So I guess it depends on how you're, you're looking at this. But really, it's the right of conscience. It's the right to live out your faith freely without others telling you you can't do something or you shall do something in violation of your religious beliefs. There really isn't anything more fundamental of that to that than in this country, your, your religious beliefs. And the fact that folks are coming in, unfortunately, and not, not only threatening individuals, but now churches we're seeing under attack, it's really, uh, really a sad state of affairs, and it's, it's why the Church Alliance is so necessary. Well, does the Church Alliance also stand beside parachurch organizations? So we actually set up, because we get this question a lot, uh, another organization that we're still just in the process of launching uh, called the Ministry Alliance. So these other parachurch organizations or ministries, uh, and, and they have a need too. And so we're, we're in the process of launching that right now. We are focused on churches. Um, we want to protect pastors, but we also know there's a need with these other organizations, and so we'll be launching that in the coming weeks and months. I would imagine that having the knowledge that you're being backed up by the church alliance will kind of free pastors to speak what they believe and feel. That's certainly one of the main purposes. The purpose is to engage, empower, and protect. And part of that empowering is making sure they're not afraid, making sure they know they can speak the truth boldly. We need that more now than ever. 
And, uh, and so knowing that ADF has your back, knowing that uh, if situations arise where you need legal help, whether it's advice or even pro bono representation, we are a legal advocacy organization, the largest one on religious liberty in the country. We absolutely hope that it will give a certain confidence to pastors. We say church alliance. Uh any brand of church, any denomination? So it, it is what we believe the common denominator that spans denominations. Uh, that being said, we do stand for sanctity of life and marriage and the family and religious liberty. So if, if a church's views are in line with, with that, which we believe a healthy you know 100,000 or so in the country are, then we would love to ally with them and, and, and sort of uh, form this, this unified front uh, pushing back on the attacks that churches are facing on religious liberty issues. Let's say a church does have an attorney. Would the Church Alliance kind of work beside that attorney? Absolutely. Yeah, we're not there to displace anybody. Uh, a lot of times attorneys are sort of like going to your family doctor. You know, they know a, a lot about a lot of different things, but sometimes you need someone who's a little more specialized, a little more focused, and, and, and we're that. We, when it comes to religious liberty, uh, that's, our, that's our area, and so we'll work with them uh, to advise on any issue on religious liberty that comes their way. If I want more information about the Alliance Defending Freedoms Church Alliance, like to get connected some way, get involved, how do I do that? Uh, so that's a great question. Uh, we would encourage you to visit our website, which is adfchurchalliance.org. You can learn about how the, the program works. It is a membership program. Uh, we're trying to get thousands of churches across the country to unite, not only for how they can benefit, but just so that they know they're part of this, this mass of churches that are standing up for religious freedom. So adfchurchalliance.org. Encourage anyone to go there, tell your pastors, tell your church leaders. Well, this alliance... There's strength in numbers there. Absolutely, yes. You know, some people, you may not like the term, but some people kind of look at it as like a union, a union of churches, right? You pick on one of us, you pick on all of us, and ADF has the, the legal infrastructure to back up churches. So that's what it is all about, and uh, we think it's needed now more than ever. Is it needed now more than ever? Uh, President Trump has been kind of strong on religious freedom. Is he doing his job? The administration doing his job? Tell us. So certainly uh, he's doing a better job than the previous administration, but you don't know what the next administration is going to bring. And each state also faces their own challenges. And the Church Alliance really is meant to be tailor-made to churches in each state uh, or even each municipality. It's, it's amazing the difference between, you know, what you're facing in maybe California versus what you're facing in, uh, in Mississippi or other parts of the country, even up in, in Massachusetts. So the four corners of the, of the 48 great states and then, of course, Alaska and Hawaii all Look very different, and uh, what this is meant to do is to step in and meet a need that is that is tailored. It is focused to what they're dealing with in their location. Well, let's say a year to maybe five years down the road. What do you see as the what will be the biggest threat to religious liberty? Uh, I just I think you're going to see a continued march uh, that is really meant to invade the churches and and really muzzle what what pastors can say from the pulpit, whether it's threatening their uh, their tax-exempt status, uh, if they don't comply to some worldview that violates their religious beliefs. That's what we're seeing happening, and we're seeing it happening extremely quickly. It wasn't just a couple, two, three years ago that the, the, the redefinition of marriage came down from the Supreme Court, and now you're seeing this uh, this this gender identity thing that's being forced upon churches. You know, you have to you have to let s certain individuals based on their identity into facilities that again violate your religious beliefs. At the end of the day, this is about people's right of conscience and pastors being able to speak biblical truth and know that they're not if they are attacked because you can't always stop the attacks that someone has their back. 
you know, in California, there's this proposed uh, law that essentially would ban some Christian books uh, yeah. because of their views on homosexuality and the ability of people to come out of that lifestyle. Conceivably, they could ban the Bible. Absolutely right. And if people think, oh, that's a far-fetched uh, idea, that'll never happen, that's conspiracy theories, we are seeing it happen. Who would have imagined censorship, censorship where you're actually talking about banning books? Um, you really have a, a worldview that is stepping in to attack traditional cons uh, uh, Christianity and, and biblical views that they, they just personally uh, don't agree with. It's their right to agree or disagree, but it's also the right of people to live out their faith and to follow their conscience, especially when we're talking about churches and pastors. Once again, uh, the contact info for the Alliance Defending Freedoms Church Alliance. It's adfchurchalliance.org. We'll continue our conversation with J.D. Mustard after this. Have you ever noticed how many churches sit empty throughout the week? Well, Freedom Project Academy wants to change that. And it's a simple concept partner with churches across the country to provide fully accredited, biblically-based online classes that allow every church that sits empty Monday through Friday to start their own school. Let's fill up our churches all week long. Visit Freedom Project Academy because together we can faithfully educate America. Hello, I'm David Smith, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, a state-based Christian pro-life and pro-family public policy organization. I want to invite you to join us as we seek to be salt and light to a dark and rapidly decaying culture. You can do that in a number of ways. For example, you can join our email list to get timely alerts and great cultural commentaries. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can attend one or more of the special events and forums we host in different parts of the state. We do all these things to encourage and equip Christians in Illinois. You see, we need you to help us fulfill our mission to boldly bring a biblical perspective to public policy. Our faith requires us to be bold, speak truthfully, and love our neighbors. Join us. Visit IllinoisFamily.org to learn more. Again, that is IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, joined by Arizona House Speaker J.D. Messnerd. Your state, Arizona, said no to marijuana. Our state, Illinois, is on a collision course with the legalization of recreational marijuana. You stopped it in Arizona. How can we stop it in Illinois? So there's no doubt this was a tough fight, and we went all in focusing on on combating the marijuana ballot measure. It, there were other measures where we we didn't like those either that didn't relate to marijuana, and we really sacrificed those to stay focused on, on this one main issue. And we invited folks from Colorado and Washington, others who, who had experience now with uh, going down this recreational marijuana road, to talk to people about the impact. And one of the most important things was we needed resources to get the message out. And to do that, we had to align with uh, many in the business community who were concerned about what this would do for their businesses and the right of their business to... What are their concerns? Well, their concerns are <laughs> what kind 
kind of employee are they going to they going to have uh, you know coming to work every day because now if there's this sort of right to uh, to uh, smoke weed uh, recreationally then how do they push back against that and manage their business as they see fit so there was definitely uh, a lot of concern in the business community and it took that not only from a narrative standpoint to spread the word about how this would impact just practically day-to-day businesses but also resources because it takes resources to make sure that others understand as well and I will concede that it was a very close race I mean it was uh, touch and go for a while there the polling was not in our favor in the beginning uh, but we were able to uh, to prevail in the end through the hard work and resources you're saying no it can be defeated well, we showed that it can be defeated. It really is about educating people. And, you know, one of the things that resonated, too, was this is a relatively new thing. It's only been, you know, just a few years in, in these states that have gone down this road. It seems to be, in some ways, almost a fad. Everyone's sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Let's do that, too. I am a conservative, so I prefer the status quo and, and, and sort of letting others uh, deal with this. And then we can monitor and see if it's such a great thing. Uh, so one of the positions I had was this is new uh let's let's monitor to see if there aren't the consequences we're concerned about and so far we're seeing that there are consequences that are negative but we shouldn't just jump on because it's it's popular and that seemed to resonate as well well they want to jump on in illinois because the money they think there's going to be a lot of tax revenue there yeah well so that's an interesting thing when you really break that argument down it's it's one of its weakest uh uh, uh it's an achilles heel in the issue because what you're really suggesting is if it's all about money and, and also not just about the money but where the money's going to go to education or other key areas what you're really saying is we want to legalize recreational pot we want to legalize a drug so that we can tax it and give it to to education that's like saying we need people to smoke pot for the kids uh, when you really break that argument down, I don't know anyone who thinks smoking pot is a good thing. You could argue that we should let people do what they're going to do. But if you actually are relying on it for educational uh, you know, programs, for helping kids, you're in this insidious trap where you actually have to encourage people to do something that no one thinks is good, even if they may not think it's terrible. No one thinks it's good. You're encouraging that because you need the revenue? Oh, I, I think that really is setting ourselves up for, a, for failure. Well, you mentioned that some businesses got behind this effort to uh, stop marijuana in Arizona. But what role did moms and dads play? What role did the church play in trying to derail marijuana? Sure, and that's a great, that's a great point. So it wasn't just a, a single uh, area, a single sector uh, in terms of businesses. Though resource-wise, certainly businesses uh, very much helped. But yeah, you know, moms, dads, families, getting the word out that this is going to fundamentally change, uh, that you're now going to have to worry about the, the gummy bears that your kid is, is, is picking up because maybe there's some connection to, uh, to marijuana. I mean, those are the types of things no parent wants to have to worry about. So this isn't just as easy as, well, you're old enough to make your own decisions. You're 18 years old or 21 years or whatever it's going to be. You really do see an impact to young people, an impact to kids. Few parents want to see that. So we had parents uh, stand up, churches standing up as well. In fact, a church that uh, I go to, it's, it's a large church, um, uh, spoke out against it. And, and you could tell they, some churches get uncomfortable talking about political issues, but this was so important to understand that once you go down this road, uh, you're opening a, a Pandora's box that could really have hugely detrimental effects. You did have churches engage, and that probably, frankly, was what tipped it right at the end uh, in defeating the measure. Wow. I think a lot of people overlook the environmental impact of these marijuana grow facilities. 
uh, they use a lot of water and water's a precious commodity in Arizona. <laughs> it certainly is, yeah. So yeah, that's another example of there are things that on the surface seem, well, let's just do this, you know, no big deal. But there, there can be a huge impact in areas you hadn't even conceived of. You're right, in Arizona, the Southwest in general, dealing with the water shortage. Uh, and so anything that's going to be a new uh, agricultural uh, uh, product is going to have a huge impact on that, especially if it really takes off. What's your advice to state lawmakers in Illinois about marijuana, and what would be your advice to pastors and people of faith about uh, this uh, battle against marijuana? So to my lawmakers, I would, I would reiterate what I said before. You do not want to be relying on a recreational drug to support even the things that you like. That's a, that's a terrible trap to be in. You, as, a, as a lawmaker, you don't want to be dependent on something that's bad to achieve something that's, that's good. So if nothing else, I would say just wait. I mean, I'm against it, of course, but just wait. Give it, a, give it a few years. Let's see how it's truly working out. See if it's all of this revenue anyway. And we're hearing that it's not even in places like Colorado and others where all this money was promised and it hasn't really materialized. So just wait. But, but again, you don't want to be trapped uh, in this we need it for the kids narrative. To families uh, and churches, you, you need to engage. Uh, this is not something where you can sit back and say, we don't want to touch it. If you go down this road, it will impact your churches. It will impact your families. Um, this is not just as simple as let everyone else do what they're going to do. It's not going to impact me. It will impact everybody. Are you surprised that Colorado's liberal governor is having some real second thoughts about the legalization of recreational pot? I'm, I'm glad he's willing to admit it, uh, you know, because one of those things you go down the road and you want to pretend, oh, this was, this, there was no dire consequence, everything was fine. I appreciate a ob more objective and fair analysis. That's what we should be doing. And that's why, again, I come down to, let's wait a little bit. We can see how it's played out in other states. We're now starting to see some of those negative consequences. You don't want to have to roll it back. That's, that's even more difficult than, uh, than establishing something new. So um, I, I hope that he and others will continue to to speak out uh, uh, these uh, these impacts because other states are looking at them. And uh, I, it would just be a real shame if this tidal wave came through and the damage left afterwards was, uh, was irreparable. Representative J.D. Messner, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us here on the Illinois Family Spotlight. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.